Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and today we are going to take another step towards escaping the cave by actually re-watching or re-listening to an old episode that I am transferring over from my other show, That's BS. So as I said before, um, this show is basically the new start to anything that I'm doing related to philosophy, and that show is continuing to be um, a political show, a show about society, culture, um, a more laid-back discussion show. So this is a an episode that I had previously done um, on That's BS, but I think it's relevant to this show and its topics, and so I'm going to carry it over. So here it is, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to That's BS. I'm Jordan. I'm Brian. And I'm Adam. And today we're doing a part two of what was a, I thought it was a great part one that we did <clears throat> two episodes back on Aristotle and Aristotelian virtue ethics. So um, uh, maybe we should do like a real quick recap of what we covered and then we can go into, because we, we started to, at the very end of things, we opened up a lot of tensions between Aristotle's train of thought and um, some other ethical ways of thinking about the world. So I don't know to kind of to kind of give just like a brief overview for, for people who may have not seen the um, the the first episode. Basically, Aristotle is um, the locus of his ethical concern is centered on living a good life and um, maximizing something called eudaimonia, which is. Um, I don't know how after listening or after partaking in our, our part one, how would you guys describe eudaimonia at this point? In like uh, layman's terms, just sort of maximizing virtues. Hmm. And importantly to add, it's, it's maximizing virtues, but, but it's cultivating virtues in a way that is um, associated with it, with action. That's a huge part of, of Aristotle's ethics is, um, is living an action-based ethical life. Um, and it's basically, it's basically um, you know, making yourself into a more virtuous person with a better state of character. So basically, it's, um, he has this virtue of the mean, or a doctrine of the mean, rather, that's very pretty famous. Um, and it, it has every uh, virtue is on a spectrum in between two vices. And each each vice is either an excess or a deficiency of a virtue. Um, and what was interesting and what we sort of came across a, a possible dispute with Aristotle on was we were considering if um, if some of his more more specific statements were wrong. For instance, he says that some things are not part of a spectrum that uh, you know murder of innocence, for instance, or rape or or thievery or something like that is is always wrong and in that sense he aligns um pretty closely with kant and and a deontological view of the world um but we were sort of beginning to question whether or not we uh we totally agreed with that um so adam you were you were sort of the first person to question if we really did buy everything aristotle said because i mean the three of us we, I think we all very much liked what he had to say. Oh right? yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> we were we were sort of considering whether we could find anything that his ethical philosophy didn't really cover, or if there were kind of corner exceptions. Um, 
So Adam, do you have like any, um, do you want to like flush out that thought anymore that you kind of had at the end of last podcast? I mean, I, I could just sort of reiterate it. I mean, just to, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the idea that something like, uh, even something as crazy as the killing of innocence. I mean, it strikes us, you know, at, at a first glance as inherently wrong under all circumstances, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced that's necessarily the case especially from you know a consequentialist view right i mean you you could say that um if human well-being overall were to be maximized through you know an action of killing say two innocents um mm-hmm. like i and just just people who are listening i, I give an example <laughs> so it doesn't sound completely ridiculous you know what I mean? like uh let's say something like kind um, of or like you know, like bombing in in you know in the case of a just war, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're you know, you'd be killing innocents in the process of defeating a greater evil. I'm not, yeah. not I'm not I'm not making you know a statement on. You're putting what, it up, yeah. I'm just saying, like, given a just war, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bombing would be justified to defeat whatever you know some great threat, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and as you know, as a result, you'd kill innocents. So to say that would be wrong would, would be sort of, um, I, I think maybe a facile way of looking at morality, but then again, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to contradict myself mid sentence here, but <laughs> I, I guess the, uh, Aristotelian, um, you know, sort of ethics in this case would be more on an individual level rather than like, you know, what a society would deem, I think, you know, or, you know, yeah. you know, you know no i know what you mean um so so remind me why aristotelian ethics would find that unethical well so i i mean i I should make a quick caveat we're the three of us are pretty freely interchanging the word moral and the word ethical or, or like morality and ethics um and that's fine to do just as a little aside i should say that i don't think aristotle views his um his project as ethical philosophy i think he views it as morality and i'm not really aware of the nuance there but in his time that made a difference i i'm not fully aware that's more of just kind of like a kind of an asterisk for the audience if they're interested in that Mm -hmm. Um, i I could just imagine the difference being between like uh ethics is more on a societal level you know like what is what you know you know what i mean like what is ethically good um you know should we should we is uh i don't know um investigating embryonic stem cells mm-hmm. you know ethical for society rather than like moral you know yeah. what i mean like it, it, there is a, kind of like a difference in language there All and right. i think there's also a difference between the type of like the style of project you you pursue also um so there's two philosophy is basically divided into two branches there's analytical philosophy and continental philosophy and analytical is basically everything that we discuss. It's about um, kind of being as, as rational as you can be getting down to the hard cases of the matter, kind of like deciding like, what do we think about this? What is the correct answer in this case, et cetera. But continental philosophy is more, um, it's more, I mean, the, the names almost give it away. It's, it's less analytical. And I don't mean that in a degrading way. Uh, but I mean, you're familiar with like stoicism and existentialism, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
those are closer to continental philosophy. And I think Aristotle is in the analytical train of thought, clearly, but he is the most continental of the analytical ways of looking at ethics, I think. Mm. Um, so, so that is all sort of a prelude to talking about, I mean, yeah. So to your question, Brian, um, Aristotle is definitely writing in very individualistic terms. Um, and so that, that could be a, that could be a, a jumping off point for a lot of criticisms of, of Aristotelian ethics as um, maybe not necessarily being incorrect, but maybe being incomplete. Um, so your, your question was, remind me again why Aristotle would think that action was wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So it would, it would take a, an unvirtuous person to kill an innocent uh, on his view. And that would be something that would corrupt the character of that actor. So, for instance, this is, this is a pretty interesting tension between <clears throat> something like consequentialism and Aristotelianism. Because what about an action? Maybe let's try to make it a little bit more personal than Adam's um, example. Although it was a good example. Um, it, was, it, was, it was an okay example. It was off the top of my head. It was like, yeah. it, it was a great <laughs> example. Don't tell your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about something like, <sighs> hmm. okay, how about this? So what about if you're, uh, if you're given the opportunity to steal a large sum of money and for a minute, let's, uh, let's, let's forget about the idea that you'd be caught because that's just kind of self-interested. Let's get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. So you're presented with this very easy opportunity to steal a large portion of money. And you're not that very wealthy yourself. You know, it's, it hits home for us. We, we have college loans, things like that. So we're not in a position to donate a large sum of money. But you can, um, you're presented with this scenario wherein you could very easily steal a large sum of money and immediately send it to Oxfam and thereby help a lot of people who you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Now, you kind of think about that from a consequentialist lens and an Aristotelian lens. You could arrive at two different answers. I think the Aristotelian answer is pretty clear, where he would say, no, you know, that's, that's, that's a wrong thing to do, morally speaking, because you would corrupt, you'd be corrupting or degrading your own sense of virtue uh, by, by stealing. And it's sort of a flat out stop. Now, the, it's, it, I should add too that a deontological view would say the same thing, but for very different reasons. So if Kant was asked that question, he would say, no, you ought not do that, but not because of the virtuousness or not of the, the act and what it would do to you, but because that it would, it would, Kant would say it would deny uh, or, or go against the categorical imperative, which he has rationally derived. Um, and then, the interesting thing is, is that the consequentialist could have, uh, so I see a way that the, <laughs> the consequentialist could have either response. He could say, yes, it's the moral thing to do, or he, he could say, no, it's not the moral thing to do. So I, I kind of put that forth. Brian? Okay, so maybe I'm misunderstanding uh, Aristotle then. So I was viewing it that, Okay, I agree with the idea that you know it kind of weakens your 
um, what is it, what's the language your we're using? Character. Morality, character. Okay, yeah. it, it yeah. weakens your character on the front of um, stealing, but on the front of you know, because you're the end action is giving it away to people that need it. So aren't mm -hmm. you then strengthening your character in one regard? So wouldn't it then align with Aristotle's view? It's an interesting take on it. Uh, Aristotle appears to, and I should say I'm no, I'm nowhere close to an expert on Aristotelian philosophy, mm -hmm. but from what I've read at this point, it seems as though Aristotle is not wholly, but partially discounting the outcomes. And he, he's more focused on what, what partaking in a certain action does to the agent who's doing it, right? So it's a very, um, and this is, this is a, a criticism that can be levied against him because you could say like, look, I mean, Aristotle's uh, you know, way of looking at, at, at morality is great for just sort of like mundane life, but maybe it falls short for these big ethical decisions that sometimes we have to make. What do you think about that? Okay, I don't know. <clears throat> it doesn't. I don't know. It uh, it doesn't seem like it. I don't see how it doesn't. I still don't understand why he why what I said wouldn't be true because I don't understand how scope at all affects this. So you're saying that you you might view it as in terms of like so there's a vice that you're partaking in which is. It's not greed per se because you're giving it away, right. but but you're, you're you're doing an action that Aristotle flat out says is right. is not part of a spectrum. So thievery, thievery. yeah, yeah. Um, but then you're saying that well, it maybe it should be outweighed by the fact that you're using that money and 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 developing a virtue in giving it away, right? I uh, so I I don't uh, I wasn't even viewing uh, Aristotle's. I wasn't even viewing this in, as in like a uh, like if there's any kind of positive within the action, I was viewing using it as compliant with Aristotle's uh, theory. Oh, okay. That, See, I wasn't I viewing. Think, okay. I, no, I, I don't you. think that's the correct way to view it, but okay. So, Jordan, right. no, I, I've been thinking about your question, and um, I, I I think you are right in saying that the Aristotelian method uh, does fall short in real ethical concerns. It really does because when you have competing values, um, I don't think Aristotelian ethics really points you into, you know, it doesn't tell you which route necessarily to take. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, um, mm -hmm. let me think what's a good example here. How about, let's say, uh, you know, you are someone in charge of drone strikes, right? I don't know why I'm on this topic, but <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah. we'll, just, we'll just go with it, all right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so what are you valuing at that moment right there? So you're valuing your own virtues, which would be, you know, um, you want to, you know, preserve innocent life. You want to maximize well-being. So these mm -hmm. would fall into what, 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 what virtue would they fall into? Probably um, empathy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, you want to maximize sort of like that empathetic curve in a way. Um, but at the same time, your, your other competing value is the fact that, you know, you have obligations and, um, that kind of, you know, the, these obligations, you know, to your, your countrymen, to your family, to, you know, the soldiers out there fighting, right. Mm -hmm. 
So what sort of, you know, where would, what sort of virtue would that fall under? Probably under loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. So here we have like, you know, empathy and loyalty sort of, you know, you, 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 you kind of have to choose between the two. And I don't think Aristotle necessarily gives a good answer to which one you should choose between. Right. So I think that's kind of what yeah. Brian was talking about, actually. So you have kind of like competing values, competing virtues in sort of like a major ethical decision. Yeah, I I agree with you that I don't think Aristotle lays out a good framework <clears throat> for for competing values um, or even between deciding, but, you know, between a, a positive and a negative, like a, a, a value versus something you want to avoid. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know if this might be able to help us kind of clear things up, but there is this, there's this really interesting scale um, of, of different levels of virtue <clears throat> that's laid out in, in Aristotle's work. Um, this would have been something excellent to, um, to have scanned that I could screen share, but <clears throat> I can probably explain it pretty well. So there so, so basically, if you think about like an action or, or like a situation that you're placed in, there's kind of three variables that are going on, right? There's what you think is the right thing to do. There's what you want to do. And then there's what you actually do, right? Those are kind of the three, the three corners of, of every situation, right? So this is a bit of a detour, but my help us kind of understand other questions that we have about Aristotle. So... <clears throat> there is a, a scale from best to worst. And the best is something like just pure virtue. That is where what you think is the correct thing to do aligns with um, what you want to do and you actually do it. So here's the, here's the example um, that we can kind of use. So, um, <laughs> you know, you wake up in the morning and you, uh, you go downstairs into your kitchen and you have a choice of blueberries versus Twinkies for breakfast. Mm. So the, the perfectly virtuous person thinks, you know, okay, it's rationally better for me to eat the blueberries. And, <clears throat> sorry, they also want to eat the blueberries. So they're not even tempted by the, uh, the Twinkie. And, and subsequently, they actually do eat the Twinkie. Or, I mean, the, the blueberry, sorry. He's a mad man. He just eats the toy. Just like, <laughs> Very nihilistic of him. Just like, <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I, I, I hate this world. <laughs> just eats the toy. Um, so, so that seems to be the highest, like the, the best kind of person you can be. Um, then the, the next best is um, encratia, which is um, strength or self-control. Um, so this one's interesting. is you, you go downstairs, you think, oh, it's rational for me to eat the blueberries, but you want to eat the Twinkie, but you kind of, you have willpower, you have self-control, and you say, no, 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 I'll eat the blueberries. And that's the position. I mean, honestly, I think that a lot of our <clears throat> ethical decisions are sort of placed in that in that framework, right? Um, maybe not ethical, but a lot of our personal decisions are placed in that framework, where it actually takes some work to overcome a, a negative pull towards the wrong thing. Oh yeah, I, I certainly agree. I just um, 
I, I, I don't want to like, you know, jump the gun here, but I just feel like this framework doesn't take into account what I just brought up though. No, like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I, I kind of wanted to lay it out. I, I mentioned gonna, this before. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because like, you know, one of the three, you know, parts of the decision, you know, uh, you know, what you want to do, you know, what you know is right and what you actually do. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if you don't know what's actually right? Yes. So, um, like, I, I feel like that's that's where that framework doesn't, you know, fully fit. But but I might have jumped the gun. That's true. And there, I I didn't know this was going to come up, but there's some pretty interesting work by um, shit. Who is it? It's a philosopher. I, I can't remember. Maybe it's it's um, I think it might be the same guy that started the um, altruism movement. Um, effective altruism, Will McCaskill. I think he actually, he, his, his graduate work was on moral uncertainty, um, which that'd be an interesting topic, but... Is this through like the lens of just sort of like a gut instinct? Because, Are I you mean, talking Will McCaskill's work or this work? No, this, this work. I, Aristotle. I mean, yeah, yeah, just as in like, you know, what you think is right. Is this just sort of like a gut instinct or is it something that has been rationally derived? Well, that's interesting because... It, it it's it's rational um but aristotle there's not i mean you'll notice there's not a column here for what you just kind of intuitively think is right sure so i'm saying like in a situation where you know you truly don't know which way you know you you, you should act uh given a circumstance then you know i think this framework fails because you need something to you know differentiate between competing mm-hmm. values yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I, I've thought for a while that that is, there's a weakness in Aristotle that sort of demands consequentialism to step in. Um, and I mean, that, that's, that's what I've thought about it for a while. Sorry, is one of you uh, giving like feedback at all? Do you hear that or no? Um, I don't hear it. I don't, I don't hear it either. Like I'll- a little echo. I'm going to mute myself and then that's for a okay. little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not that bad. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a good point, Adam. Um, so it, uh, maybe we can get into this part of it because, so I, I think that almost everything that Aristotle says is excellent stuff, but it's, it is morally, morally prudent, uh, only because it actually tends to very well fit into a consequentialist uh, grounds for things. So it, this is interesting, but I sort of view Aristotle's entire work as a framework for something called rule-based consequentialism. Uh, have, have you ever heard of act versus rule consequentialism? No, no. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's interesting. And I think it, it ties into this really well. So, there are two branches of of um, consequentialism where act consequentialism says that uh, whatever act will bring about the best consequences is the morally correct thing to do, and the other one is is called rule based consequentialism, and that would say that whatever set of rules that you can uh, that you can adhere to that tend to bring about the best set of consequences are the things that you should do. So it's interesting because you can quickly see where the two diverge. So act-based consequentialism 
is very it's sensitive to the details of every single situation that you're in and on a on a you know a, a dime's drop it can switch what you're supposed to do because of of the tiniest imbalance of consequences right so if i don't know i mean if if oh here's a perfect example so have you ever heard of uh, peter singer's like the shallow pond example i want to say yes but remind me of it so peter singer came up with this thought experiment where so pretend you're a uh, you're walking down the street, you have a, a brand new pair of shoes on and they're $300 and there's this you know, shallow pond right off the sidewalk and you see a child drowning in the, in the shallow pond. Uh, you would be a, a moral monster to not go just wade knee deep into that pond and save the little girl, right? Uh, and so on, a consequen- on an act-based consequentialist uh, uh, grounds, you should always go and get the little girl. But what's interesting is that if you tweak the variables in that scenario just a little bit, an act-based consequentialist will flip his, his moral f- stance. So if, for instance, your shoes that you're wearing are, are these super rare limited edition like Louis Vuitton shoes and you're actually going to, uh, you're, you're going to sell them and the money that you sell them for you're going to donate to Oxfam, and you predict that you'll save five lives by donating that donating that money to Oxfam, but if you if you wade into the shallow pond, you'll ruin the shoes and you won't be able to sell them. So you'll only save one life as opposed to five. So an act based consequentialist could say, no, no, no. Like in this scenario, you actually shouldn't save the little girl because you're you're essentially killing four people. So that's that's act-based consequentialism but rule-based should might say something like you know no 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 like if you're in that scenario it doesn't matter what you're on your way to go do or who you're on your way to go help you you have to save that little girl no matter if you're going to sell your shoes to oxfam or not yeah i mean that's a tough one i'd probably say uh i mean i mean like for i think for 99 percent of the population you would just no, 99.9% of the population, you just go save the girl. Yeah. Um, you're not going to watch a girl drown mm. or even like just pass a girl that, you know, um, is going to drown mm-hmm. just because just you know you're going to go save some people just by selling some shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely an interesting thought experiment when you put it that way. I mean, you are yeah. essentially condemning five people, to, I mean, four extra people to their death if you save the girl given these mm-hmm. parameters. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard that uh, that thought experiment put forward, in, you know, in terms of you know saving African children by just yeah you know, cutting the down on nets, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah. Well, the interesting thing is is that Aristotle here seems to kind of provide a, like a very personal framework for rule based consequentialism because he could say something like. Um, well, you know, yes, like I understand that, that you're by not saving that one girl going to save five in, in Africa instead. Um, but think about like what sort of impact that course of action would have on, on your character, right? Like that would be, it, it would tell us something like very interesting and sort of dark about you. If you were the type of person who could just walk past a little girl and then, and then go donate to Oxfam, even though you're doing the right thing, right? It tells us something like really interesting about your character. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're certainly a moral monster if you do it, probably. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to interact with you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, or, or your sense of morality is very different from my own. Maybe not a moral monster, but very different from my own. Just it, it's, it's weird because you have that intuition to say you're a monster, but he's going to save five, four more children. Yeah, um, but you also pass a girl drowning right in front of you. It's exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's kind of like a twisted empathy. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a... yeah almost like a robotic sort of empathy. Just like you don't yeah. have real empathy, you have like <laughs> robot empathy. You know I what had, I mean? I had the choice of saving one unit or five units. I chose <laughs> five units. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only logical. Yeah. No, and this is, I, I think like Aristotle, I think expressing that difference in terms of like a virtue and character is is maybe even better than expressing it in terms of consequences. Because the, the consequences are if you just look at body count it is actually better to walk past the little girl right in just purely terms of body count but if you if you consider <clears throat> you can you can say it in aristotelian language and still have it play out in terms of consequences what type of person you would be to be able to do that or um do you, do you get what I'm saying? It, it's sort of it's best like conceptualized in Aristotle's terms, but I I feel at least as though it, it holds true because of the consequences of of the scenario, right? Because like the type of person that would do that is probably not the type of person who <sighs> see. I don't know. It's just like. It's it's really hard because they are actually saving more people. Like, you you, you almost want to say like, well, that's not a person that I would want to interact with. But like, it it it's it's it's. I think people who brush over this are not giving it its fair due because like I agree. If you if I saw you do that tomorrow, I'd be like, Jesus Christ, like he's a monster. <laughs> but but like but you are saving four more lives. There's, there's another angle you could consider it is like the societal impact. It's like, mm -hmm. does it, does you could argue that he, in saving that one life, he's enforcing a society that cares for people. Cause otherwise, like then you just have like, whenever someone's drowning, you just see people standing on the wayside, just calculating the moral cost, <laughs> which is like some sort of, you know, dystopian worlds so mm -hmm. i think i think there is an argument to be made about the societal message you're sending and i think if you put that into the equation then it sort of tips the scales the other way this is interesting you're you're sort of inherently referencing uh there was this study that was done that shows that um it, it, it's 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 analogous but not directly sure. uh there was this study that was done that showed that people who were more consequentialist uh, were actually found to be worse friends and worse uh, like romantic uh, partners than people who were uh, people who were uh, deontological in their skew. So and it's weird. You can kind of relate to this, right? Like if you saw someone, like like you're across like this this big pond, and you see someone on the other side, and there's a girl drowning, drowning, and 
you watch that person kind of deliberate over the moral calculus like all, all the while this girl's screaming like help me please she's like she's drowning and he goes like <laughs> shut up he's like the consequences <laughs> do work out and then he dives in to save the little girl <laughs> <laughs> right like you you kind of view that person as like a like not a psychopath but like something close to a psychopath right it's, it's me captain uh, was it captain Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> like captain hindsight yeah uh so that's so that's true um but i it's 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 I find it very hard to brush away the the counterfactual that he could actually be saving four more lives. Also, yeah, I mean, I just I don't I don't think he's maximizing the empathy at that point. I mean, I'm not sure he's even capable, given like you know his character that we've that you know, the way we described it. But you know, I'm not. I I don't think I. It, it, it's it's so very odd. So for you in this scenario, Aristotle's concerns do outweigh consequentialist concerns. Then, yeah, most certainly. I mean, like okay. it's it, it's. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of a bit of a freak if you. I mean, you you are of just a very. I, I guess logical in your thinking, but devoid of empathy. Mm-hmm. So like I like I I can't describe that as being empathetic just like you know simply weighing five I mean five people that you you've never seen you don't know their suffering and they're sort of just like five imaginary people in your mind that you just know you're going to help save cuz you you know nothing about these people you're like statistically I will save five people <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna pass by this drowning girl right in front of my eyes. Yeah, I mean that's that that that's a very robotic way of thinking about the world. It is. So, so here's it, here's what I'm curious about then, Adam. Uh, I I agree with you, and I I sort of I think I know why I think that, but I'm curious to like kind of flush out why you think that. So it seems to me, um, it seems to me like what you've just stated was. There are some scenarios in which you you value consequences more than character, and there are also some scenarios where you value character more than consequences. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm curious because unless unless you we want to kind of go into this reflective equilibria about it, I'm curious if you can kind of if we can almost reason our way through what what precept you're using to determine in which case is it accurate. Um, Cause I, I don't think that you would want to leave it down to purely intuition, right? No, no. So I'm curious, like what, what sort of scenarios justify valuing consequences versus valuing character? Um, I, I kind of want to flip that around. I kind of want to, Okay. Maybe maybe answer the opposite actually first, and because that's the first thing that came to my mind. Sort of valuing okay. yeah, why yeah. why would I value character over consequences? Um. So for me, it comes down to the values and the uh, that we that we kind of set forward, or that Aristotle set forward that you can sort of maximize, right? Um, or virtues, virtues. These are sort of inherently hum- uh, just 
human things to do like they sort of like embody our humanity like what's the best of being human mm-hmm. um and i think that when you ignore sort of you know the essence of our humanity it, it's sort of it, it's no longer sort of like uh morality and, and sort of like through through like the lens of human beings at that point mm. it's it, it's not it's not even human right so I, I wouldn't even call that like a sense of morality. Okay. I mean, that was, that was kind of poorly stated, but no, I, hope I, you, so I, I hope you got the idea on that one a little bit. I, I, I think so. So kind of, I mean, a, a way of, of saying what you're saying is, is you, you wouldn't want the demands of morality to be so great that they degraded like what it was to be a human being in the first place. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, like if, our morality shouldn't take away from being human. So does that, or, 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 or at least the best parts of being human. And I think empathy is one of the best parts of being human. Like uh-huh. we're, we're, I mean, we're a social species. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to uh, clip that as a as a little soundbite and send it to Paul Bloom. <laughs> do, do you know his book Against Empathy? No. Oh really? Okay. I mean, he he's such a reach guest for us. I mean, he's like super famous. He's a he's a psychologist at Yale. Uh, he, he he wrote this whole book like detailing why empathy is a uh, is a terrible thing. Um, that sounds like a silly book. It, <laughs> it I I have found parts of it fairly compelling actually. Mm. Um, so would I mean would he prefer us to behave like robots? No, but he he thinks that that um, juxtaposition is a false one. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Then 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 what would be the the correct sort of uh um dichotomy well I, I damn i knew i shouldn't have said it i, I there was a point that i wanted to get to i, I just i kind of meant that as a joke there is yeah. something that i wanted to introduce anyway okay I, 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 I don't think empathy is the best is the best uh like case here yeah fuck feelings <laughs> um so i sorry i lost my train of thought i wanted to go back to um so maybe that precept that i was trying to get you to define was whenever the demands of morality uh, reach beyond what it is to be a human, that's when you would shift from valuing consequences to valuing character? Sure, sure. Okay. Now, see, I want to like, put a little pressure on this because what if in the, in the shallow pond example, it was saving one girl um, who had cancer and was likely to die in six months anyway. Would you would you then still save her instead of instead of donate your shoes? Or well, sorry, I should ask I should ask a different question. I'm not curious what you think you would do. I'm curious what you think you should do because uh, undoubtedly those are sometimes different answers. Yeah, yeah. One's a lot more interesting too. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, what would I do? And I'm just like, wow. Okay, we know what we would do. <laughs> Would I save the girl drowning in front of me? <laughs> um, what should I do? I think that? we, I think we would, but I'm curious if we should. Um, yeah, you should. You you should you shouldn't watch a girl drown in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if she was going to die tomorrow, the next day? Would it still be correct to save her? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you you you, you yeah yeah, you should you should save the girl. 
you should now are you saying i'm just curious are you saying yes based on consequentialist reasoning or or aristotelian reasoning definitely aristotelian still okay i i I think i think you really just just um shit the bed when it comes to sort of maximizing like that ethical curve yeah you i mean you you really do yeah okay i mean i mean even even if you even if she's gonna die 10 minutes after the fact you know really even 10 minutes after the fact, I, I don't give a damn. I mean, if you were, you are not behaving like a human being at that point. It's not moral. Really? Beha- yes. That's very interesting. So, mm-hmm. okay. Now, now I, I, I was questioning whether I'd bring these up, but now I think it's, it's very appropriate too. Um, Bernard Williams is this philosopher. I think he's passed away at this point. Uh, he yeah oh yeah he definitely did I, I think he wrote these in the 18th century or 19th century maybe mm-hmm. um no 19 19th for sure um so he wrote these he wrote this critique of consequentialism uh that is it's it's very relevant here have you ever heard of um george the chemist and jim the traveler no okay there are these it, it, it's 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 a very good um, to like uh, thought experiments that are meant to show that Adam's critique of consequentialism is true for almost all consequentialist reasoning. Um, so, hmm. so let's start with George, the chemist. Um, so, so imagine there's this guy uh, named George and he's a PhD in chemistry, right? And, uh, and he he uh, he was working as a as a professor, but he you know he got fired due to no fault of his own. But the department was just downsizing. You know the college was kind of going under, and he he lost his position. Right, so he has a wife and a kid at home, and they're really struggling to make ends meet. And he uh, he hasn't been able to get a job just because you know the job market's terrible, and. He, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure being, you know, put on him from the house because, you know, they're starting to not be able to really afford to like send their daughter to school anymore. Like things are getting really tough at home and, um, and, you know, but they're making it work for now, but they don't know how long it's going to hold out. And one of George's friend, uh, one of George's friends comes to him and he says, Hey, um, I actually have a job that I'd like to recommend for you. And it's a, it's a chemical engineering position at a, uh, a biological weapons uh, developmental factory. And George is, you know, super opposed to biological warfare. He thinks it's cruel and inhumane. But what's interesting is that if he doesn't take this job, someone more competent than him and more with more zest for the job will take it instead. And this concern is even kind of creeping into his friend's offering him the job because his friend doesn't even really agree with what he's doing. So what should George do in this scenario? Because you see how it's, you see how it's supposed to tease apart concerns about our own character and our own virtue from concerns about consequences, because all of the consequences stack up clearly on the side of taking the job it would provide a great income for him and his family they would get out of this terrible financial situation they're in and he would actually be 
be decreasing the efficacy of these biological weapons that he's so opposed to because he could do just kind of a, you know, a mundane job, just kind of, you know, let things pass. But, but the, you know, the, the competitor for the job has a real zeal for what he's doing and he's smarter than George. So he's going to actually do a better job at creating these weapons. Yeah. I think, I think in light of the competitor, you take the job. I think without the competitor, okay. you don't take the job. Interesting. So here you're valuing consequences over character. It almost feels like a duty. It doesn't feel like... I mean, not that you should be happy with every like moral decision you make. That's not the... But it's... It almost feels like it's his duty to do so. Like if it was, if it wasn't the case that, like, let's flip this on this head. Let's say that the competitor was um, incompetent, mm-hmm. and so there would be a proxy, like less death as a result of uh, his competitor getting the job. It almost feels like the inverse would be true. It, that'd be like his. It would be his duty to reject the job because it feels like at the. Like, I don't know. It just feels like it feels like him taking the job, although not ideal, checks all the boxes. Right. he doesn't want to he wants to make sure his family's happy. He wants to, you know, he may be against uh, these uh, these biological weapons. But if he wants to minimize the damage they do, it would be make more sense if he took the job. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you probably take the job. I mean, you're not you're not really sacrificing your humanity either. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 I think not. Not in the same way as watching a child drown. Yeah, I think in light okay. of the competitor, that's what I'm saying. In light of the competitor, okay. you're not sacrificing your morality. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just thought of like a very twisted, uh, you know, I mean, we 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 have discussed, you know, like the the trolley tracks, you know, yeah. at, you know, mm-hmm. uh, moral, moral dilemma at like mm-hmm. ten times on the show at this point. Yeah. yeah, but I was thinking of just like a very twisted version where I mean you're sitting in front of the per- the one person on the track but the five other people are not in view right mm. so like so would you pull the lever at that point which is to, basically to... the child problem yeah sure yeah. sure but i mean so thinking back to it i i guess wouldn't pull the lever if i was sitting right in front of the person and i was going to watch them die you mean you mean kill the one i probably wouldn't kill the one if i was sitting in Wait. front of that Really, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. But do you? But do you I think disagree. that's the right thing to do? Do I think that's the right thing to do? Um, my gut tells me no, no. Okay. So I, yeah. feel, I, 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 I once again it goes back to like kind of just you're you're really sacrificing so much more in the process. Like, I'm just, sorry, I'm a little. Just, what are you saying is the correct thing to do? I'm just confused on what you're saying. The correct thing to do is to allow the trolley to continue to kill the five people. Really? If, if, okay. you're, just, if you're just sitting there and watching that one person, um, but you can't see the other five people. Really? I, okay. I, would, I think I would very strongly disagree with that. Why? So I don't think that the... So I don't think that simply because you feel an emotion, I don't think that that grants credence to its being correct or valid in a certain scenario um, or, or even if it is correct, I don't think that that de facto means that it should over overpower um, other moral concerns. So if you, you know, if you, you're saying that like, 
I'm assuming the counterfactual is that if you could see both sets of people, you would divert it and kill the one. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, I don't, I don't think that moving the people out of sight or out of mind invalidates all of the concerns that you had when they were right in front of you. And I, while understanding that the emotionality of it is going to be very different, I don't think that that overrides the ethical concerns involved. Wait, no, but I think no, 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 it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, override, you know, what the consequences will be. But it makes you shift. I, but it makes you no, shift no, the value I, I, of character. No, no, but I, no, but I feel like you definitely sort of like you know hid sort of uh, the bias in your answer there because I think like. I mean, you're really changing the process. The process is entirely changed now because you are really sacrificing a lot of your humanity by, you know, sort of choosing to direct, you know, the trolley to kill the person right in front of you. So, I mean, like it's, it's you know, through Aristotelian sort of view, um, you're, you're really shooting your own empathy at that point. I, I like for the sake of just like you know, a notion that in re, like overall the consequences are better. See, I don't, I don't think that that's. Go ahead, Brian. Why wouldn't you be empathetic to the five? Because you're you're just much more empathetic to people that you're like you can, you can see with your own eyes right in front of you. I mean, are are you as empathetic towards your you know, you, you know your parents? as you are towards the, you know, the people suffering in Africa. Okay. I, uh, I don't know this, this, the trolley somehow feels like a different example entirely from the African child drowning in a pool example. What I actually, what did you Why say you for, it just feels different. I'm not really sure. I'm trying to dissect that right now, but what, what did you say for the, um, the child drive, uh, dying in the pool, Jordan? You mean, what do I think is correct to do? Yeah. This can get really complicated. Okay. I, I, no, I think no. It's it's a it's a good question. So I think that even if you can save the five in Africa, you should still wade in and get the child, um, because I think in that scenario, it's it's. I mean, so here's the thing: is like from a God's eye view, the consequences are are abstracted. They're better to save the the five than the one, right? That's 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 obvious. We don't need to right. quibble about that. But the there are more consequences than just that, right? So uh, this is uh, I'm I'm totally agreeing with Adam here. Like it would it would be viscerally so disturbing uh and it would be so hard to come back from and you know anyone who saw you do it would think you're a monster and you know you would have to live with these these things that you've done for the rest of your life. Yeah, there'd be societal implications. Exactly, right? exactly, and the consequences more broadly, I think, would would be would be worse. And, and it's also you're you have to absorb the consequences of you being the type of person that could do that, right? So, 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 what what's different between that and the one and the uh, sort of the thought experiment I just proposed with the trolley tracks? Yeah, I think yes, what? yes, because it's it has a it has to do with responsibility. Your it has to do with positive versus negative responsibility. You are much more positively responsible for the people on the tracks uh, than you are the five children in Africa. Why? Well, because 
you're abstaining from doing something in the the drowning girl case, but you're taking a positive action to not flip the switch when it's right in front of you. No, you're abstaining from flipping the switch. Yeah, but I view that as sort of a positive action. No, but that you're just defining as a positive action. You're abstaining from flipping the switch and you're abstaining from walking to, you know, the the whatever you're going to sell the shoes. I I think there is a meaningful difference there, though. I I think there is a meaningful difference between those two courses of action. Okay, make, make, make the distinction. Well, for one, you have to walk past the one person you're killing. And, and yes, go. It, in this case, you would just have you you would you know have to flip the switch and watch that person be killed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, you feel no pull towards the. So I feel pulled by both scenarios. You you feel no pull towards the one and fully towards the other. Um, I mean, I I I feel because I I don't know. It's it's really strange to me that like. I I feel I I feel very not at ease by the idea that if you simply tuck the people away, sticking with the trolley scenario, if you simply tuck the people away, what is ethically correct to do changes. I find that I find that. Um, I don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't think so. Just because like the people in Africa, like the the only reason we have no problem sort of disregarding them in this case is we don't because, see them. Yeah, is just because they're more abstract than the people in the trolley. They're even more abstract. They're like some people in Africa will be saved, right. and it's yes. just like. But in this case, it's like there are people on the trolley track, but there are people in Africa you could save. In mm-hmm. both cases, there, that is the case. But one just seems more abstract. Yeah, I think, you know, I like think, we've, yeah. we've never been to Africa. You know, we go, go ahead. Yeah, please. sorry. I think the trolley problem. The the word I'd use is direct. It feels like you're directly responsible. Whereas in the in the Africa problem, you it's implicit that you are directly responsible for those deaths. But it doesn't feel like it's entirely your fault. It's like, well, you know, there's like political problems and stuff over there anyway, and that's kind of I don't know carried into the equation. Uh, subconsciously, at least for me, that's what it feels like. Whereas with the trolley problem, it's like, no, I'm, I'm killing those people if I don't do X or do X. It depends on the scenario. So I think like the, how direct you're being with the trolley problem, I think that's the variable that makes me want to kill the one person as, as opposed to the five, even though they're still like out of sight. And I, I think also you're... you're importing your own kind of like way of viewing things towards everyone here where if you actually viewed things in a consequentialist framework and you were more drawn to that i i think that your argument against it would kind of fade away a bit um because like if you i I mean like even just like speaking myself like i i think i would be pretty haunted by the fact that i didn't save the five by by flipping the switch because like it, it seems like sort of like uh, inherent in in your view is the fact that you think it's wrong to save the five, and that's why you would be so you'd be so distraught about it. You'd think like Jesus Christ, like I can't believe I I actually watched that guy die. Like I, I shouldn't have done that. But if you actually genuinely believe that it would be wrong to to save the one, that would be what haunted you, not the reverse. Mm, you think about this. 
I'm just trying. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just but trying to. Like, I'm I'm, I'm, I, oh no, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to imagine like what that scenario would actually be like. You know, a person pleading for their life on the track. Don't flip the switch, please. Don't like I have. You know, yeah. You know, uh, parents, so, so do you children. Think- like I, there, there's someone pleading to me. You know, crying their eyes out on the track, and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm like, but there are five people that I must save. And wait, I, wait, wait. But are you, are you sort of smuggling in here like the way that other people would view you and factoring into that? No. What do you mean? I'm talking. I'm talking about. I'm just talking about in a picture of like mothers and children like staring at you, like thinking you're a cold killer. No, like, I, think, no. I think that's what he's saying. The person would be saying, and yeah, those... the, like, 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 like in a real scenario, someone would right. be like, you know, pleading for their life. Sure. You know, I, I was trying to. I was trying to ask. Like, I was trying to question if we thought that those were, like, I'm not saying that they're not descriptively true. Like, of course, like people would in fact be feeling that, but I, I don't want to give. I don't I'm not sure that I would want to commit like the the naturalistic fallacy and say like anything we do feel is what we should feel. Right? No, but no, but no, but but like yeah, I, I don't think you're fully getting my point here. I'm just saying like the less human you make it, yes, the more consequentialist it gets. So, you know, for example, like say that person like wasn't pleading for their life. Say that person was, you know, bound and gagged so they <laughs> could they couldn't even look at me, right? Wait, what? I said, or, or or maybe even more compelling, just like a stoic who was sitting there, just like accepting death. Exactly. So the point where I'm just like, at that point, I'm I really am just comparing the numbers. So you're right. Like with you know the the greater humanity of my uh, you know of my personality out of the picture, yes, I will be looking at it in more of a consequentialist view. But I'm just saying, like the more human it gets, like the like the more social interaction between people. Or just interaction between people, like the more I sort of veer toward like Aristotelian. But I'm so I'm I'm asking you to kind of define when that's valid, though, because we're we're sort of throwing up cases here. Uh, but but I I'm I I think that I would want it to be more than just purely like gut intuition. Do you is there is there some sort of a because like if every if every choice that we're making here is defined by purely just like what we kind of gutturally react to, it it doesn't seem to be a like cohesive, coherent ethical theory, right? No, I mean I think life's a little more complicated than something I can make on the spot right now. But That's I mean yeah. you know what I mean? I'm just saying like one kind of bleeds into the other, depending on just like, you know, yeah. Just just being a human being here there's an interesting question that got asked uh i think in response to you adam in the in the live chat uh so someone said in a a similar scenario you're driving a car and then lose control veering towards a group of people versus turning the car towards one person on the other side of the road and killing them does being closer to the choice change anything for you oh no that's actually a fantastic question uh for me like instant thought on that one is that I would veer toward the one person just because there isn't that same level of humanity where I'm actually like, 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 you know, like I was saying before, if say there's like a lot of interaction between me and that person, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be looking sort of Aristotelian, but the more you take the humanity out of it, I look more of like a, you know, more in a consequential, consequentialist view. So, you know, if I'm driving that car and I make like a snap decision, you know, a crowd or one person? Oh, what's going to be the one person, right? Because I, you know, I don't know this person. It's just purely the numbers at that point. 
Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never interacted with that person. It's not going to haunt me, but, um, but I, I think it's a little different given the interaction you have, like, you know, okay i i don't know i just i maybe i'm like not seeing it i just i don't know um i'm kind of struggling to see what um and i don't maybe this this could be like a i don't know kind of a short intro to the next episode but i'm really curious to hear like what um defines what what conditions define what is is valid and invalid for determining your choice between uh, like valuing character over valuing uh, consequences. I just told you though, it's so situational. It, it, I mean, it, it just is yeah. though. I'm, I mean, like I, I, I just gave you like you know the trolley track example. How one, oh, just, I know, just, just, like, yeah. like just like just a few tiny things could change, and mm-hmm. suddenly my decisions changed just because right. if they're bound and gagged and they can't plead for their life and I can't really have a, I can't make a human connection with this person. Well. I'm kind of looking at the numbers at that point. I, I think right? it's like, yeah, I think yeah, it's interesting I, to consider the variables that lead to the situational, that lead to your change in choice. Hmm. I think it'd be interesting to pin down. Cause I think it does sound like the closeness to the people. Cause you do get that interaction. Like you were talking about does impl- uh does impact your decision and it makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something that seems unstable about, about, that to me okay um, do you have a example <laughs> well what about like because, because it seems like so so valuing like proximity maybe as like a proxy for what's ethically relevant it seems like it can lead to too many incompatibilities almost like um like what if you were walking down the street and you had five dollars in your pocket um and you 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 actually intended, okay, how about this? You intended to give that $5 to a person 10 blocks down the street, 20 blocks down the street, um, who you saw the previous day and they're in rough shape. Like they, they don't have shoes. You can tell they're sleeping in like a sleeping bag and it's the dead of winter. Like they, they could really use that $5 just I mean, for anything at that point. Um, but you see this, like you see this, uh, like, you know, uh, other homeless person but they're clearly better off like they don't have um they don't have your your uh they don't have like a sleeping bag you can tell they have like pretty good yeah yeah so but but what if this person really like hits home for you like they kind of remind you of yourself a little bit like Mm. like jesus christ like there but for the luck of god go i so you know something like that and the proximity triggers your empathy and you give it to that person instead of the person who it would have made more of a difference to mm-hmm. well I, it wouldn't I, it seems I, like I, it's no, sort but of I, like, I i do think you cut me short with that that example though a little bit in terms of just okay. you know just uh how a human you know someone like myself would behave i'm not gonna just you know if i if i went downtown to give money to someone i was compelled to do this because you know this person made an impact on me in the first place for being in such a desperate shape, but then I'm suddenly just swaying in the wind. I don't know what to do. And then suddenly I see someone that reminds me of myself and I have to just hand over my $5. I think that seems like a, uh, I, I maybe a, a facile way of a bit of a straw man, a bit of a straw man. Sure. I, I guess I didn't intend for it to be like that, but I was just trying to paint 
proximity as not being the most stable and reliable way to, to judge what's most ethically relevant. I don't think, but I don't think it's the only var- variable. I think it goes into the pot, but I don't think it's the only thing by which. I guess I'm, Adam... I'm, I'm trying to find what is that thing though, like that thing that tips the balance, or or. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not just one thing. Okay, so you're sort of a. Um, you're almost painting yourself, Adam, as maybe like some sort of a like a. Like, a. The technical term for it would maybe be something like a moral realist who's like a pluralist about what value is relevant. So you're not denying that there are true and false, actually right and wrong answers to different scenarios, but you're saying that there's a plurality of things that factor into it. Um, hmm. Cause like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even sure that I would even agree at this point that there is a right and wrong to everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week. Let me just. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah I'm, I, yeah, I'm actually given given this conversation, I'm I'm really really not sure about that. So. That's uh, triggered. No. <laughs> yeah. I I would uh, I would definitely describe myself as an ethical realist uh, or a moral objectivist. Um, but that's interesting. I, I know we kind of have a hard stop on time. Um, maybe, okay. So to kind of close out, um, okay. So Adam, that was sort of, that was a very roundabout way of maybe getting to the, we, we tend to, we tended to focus on the con, the converse of that, but the, the other side of that coin would be, um, your, your sort of challenging Aristotle, um, and saying that there are some scenarios uh, for you that they're abstracted, impersonal scenarios that um, that would make his concerns about character invalid. Is that correct? And the and the counter to that is also true. Sure, sure. Okay, um, Brian, how like do you what do you think about Aristotle at this point? Like, do you think Adam's critique is valid or not? Towards the end, there I started to. Uh... It almost feels like I, I understand where Adam's coming through, from, although I don't agree with it. So I would say his critiques are valid, but they wouldn't align with my own morality, I think. Okay, that's fair. Uh, what, yeah. what part did you differ with? <laughs> um, I think the, the proximity part, mm. that, that uh, you, you know, it's not the only variable, like I said before, that I think Adam prescribes to, but... Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to really suss out the other things that, if we could at all, that um, Adam, you feel like you um, are pulled by. Yeah, I, I guess like I'm. I'm just sort of. Um, I don't know, Adam. Maybe think about this, and we can kind of we can open with this before we do whatever topic we're doing next. But like, I'm I'm curious for you to lay out um, the the conditions wherein it's valid to to value your own feelings and your own character over the consequences. Um, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? That'd be interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm thinking about this now, but like, I'm I'm not sure there's like a defined moral framework to it. I'm not sure you could live by like a defined moral framework. Just 
considering like the way I've been thinking about this now. Mm. I, I, I don't think I could fit within just like a framework that would always work. Maybe, but so irrespective I mean, of whether or not you could follow it, because because so I mean, for me, like what is like being an ethical like realist uh, or like an objectivist? I'm not. I would never claim that I can follow what is correct all the time. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is something that's correct. But that I mean, doesn't mean. Yeah, that I, I mean, I mean, correct with like respect to what though, right? I mean, like with respect to like, you know, morality. No, no. I mean, like it. There, there are competing, you know, sort of ideals here, right? So, I mean, like yeah. with so like you know, going back to the trolley stop example or trolley train, you know, whatever example. Um, I really am valuing just my character in the moment and sort of that connection of humanity that I, you know, like the degree that which I, you know, sort of interact with the person Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't value that as much. And so it's like, is this right with respect to what? Yeah, we definitely can't flush that out in four minutes, which is the time we have. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great segue. It is. I mean, the short answer of it is I, I, everything for me, uh, is grounded in terms of consequences. And, and, and there is, a, like, I, I do have an argument for why that's the case. And I, and I do have an argument for why in certain scenarios, I mean, again, I think it, even, even as much as I hate to say it, like, mine does take an Aristotelian bend in that, I mean, doing, like, making some of these hard choices, like walking past the child, Right. That's that would be wrong, um, but it's in terms of consequences because, like, if you if you kind of um, I don't know again, this is, this really constitutes its own episode. But if you abstract things out and you you look at like, I mean, morality at some point has to be. So I would probably describe myself as so sophisticated, but that doesn't mean it's not like it's not like that's a type of consequentialist. I'm not just saying like I'm sophisticated. <laughs> I'm saying like, that's a type of consequentialist, but um, a, a sophisticated rule-based consequentialist. That is my current position. Um, rule-based. Yes. Not act-based. Yeah. Um, I definitely I fall way more into action-based. Same. Okay. Way more into action-based. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's even hard for me to understand why you'd be rule-based. Yeah. We can explore this in another episode for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in summary, I, I still think Aristotle is, is great on like interpersonal issues. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we, we, we should close this out, I guess. Uh, if you, if you're still listening at this point, uh, I, first of all, I'm, I'm surprised. And second of all, thank you. Um, but if you want to learn more, um, you can visit our website at that'sbs.fireside.fm. You can uh, go to our Patreon and keep us able to do these uh, episodes at patreon.com forward slash that's BS. Uh, you can find all of these episodes on RSS feeds. Um, they're available on whatever you listen to. And of course, uh, comment for sure like what you kind of thought about our, uh, our arguments here in this episode. And you can always email us for guest recommendations or topic recommendations 
at thatsbspodcast at gmail.com. So uh, thanks for listening and tune in next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode and learned something from it. And if you want to support my work and what I'm doing, you can do so by supporting me on Patreon. You can go um, to patreon.com forward slash Jordan Myers and donate um, on a monthly basis and receive rewards for your donation. Um, again, that's J-O-R-D-A-N-M-Y-E-R-S. And uh, the links will to everything will be in the description below. If you can't monetarily support me, you can support me in other ways by liking this video, uh, commenting on it below, reviewing the show on iTunes, or sharing it with a friend or with your Twitter followers. Um, you can also email me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And if you want, um, you can check out my other show called That's BS. Um, it's a more discussion-based show with me and friends. Uh, I mentioned it at the top of this episode. So um, if you enjoyed this, please consider supporting me on Patreon. And as always, thanks for listening.